0: Welcome to the Pacific Northwest Nonprofit Spotlight Podcast, hosted by Link Northwest, the podcast dedicated to shedding light on the incredible work of nonprofit organizations in the Pacific Northwest. Join us as we explore the inspiring stories of leaders and advocates making a difference in our communities. Let's embark on this journey of compassion and change together. Well, welcome to the Link Northwest Studios. This is the Nonprofit Spotlight Podcast. I'm Andrew. Uh, I'm usually behind the camera doing everything, but Ryan is actually gone today, so I'm filling in. And we have a fantastic guest on the podcast, so I wanted to make sure, even though Ryan was gone, that we still got a podcast done. And so I'm here with Luke from Only 7 Seconds. Hello, Luke, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, I appreciate that introduction. I, uh, I'm i
1: excited to be here, and I hope Ryan's having a great time in Disneyland. I, I, I hope so too, I don't know. <laughs> I
0: talked to him briefly. I just set up some security cameras in here because it's like a space for the community. And uh, he got a notification that I set it up and he started talking to me while I was working from the security camera. I was like, hi, how's it going? He specifically awesome. said don't contact you. So he did. So he broke his own rules. But uh, before we That's dive funny. in, uh, you guys, you brought something for me. i am gonna put my questions down. And you can see it on the camera here, a box full of awesome little wristbands, uh, T-shirts uh explain these cards really quick what are these cards yeah so those are what we call our hope notes and if you grab one
1: um they are designed to do two things uh so on the front you'll see positive messages uh meant for whoever's reading it whoever picks it up. Whoever hope, it don't lose hope you're not
0: alone yeah you were loved you matter you matter
1: yep so each one of them we have uh, a couple different ones uh if you get on our website you can check them out and, uh, and then on the back, it's usually some sort of encouragement of action. Um, so in this case, it says, I won't read all of it, but it says there's 86,400 seconds in a day, and yet taking a step to make intentional connections can take less than seven seconds. Uh, it takes only seven seconds. Who is someone you haven't checked in on in a while? Reach out, send a text, da, da, da. And so they're kind of, they're designed in a way where it's po- message of positivity, encouragement, and then at the same time, uh, we, taking action is important too. Um, and so we wanted to blend those two things together.
0: Very cool. So it's kind of yeah. dual purpose there. Yep. Uh, can people get these? Can they buy them from you? Where, yeah. where can they
1: get yep. them? They're all they're on our website. Uh, there are some free ones here. Uh, so if you stop by Link Northwest, yeah, right? uh, you can pick up some free ones. But uh, yeah, if you catch us at any sort of events, we do a lot of tabling things uh, throughout Washington State and things like that. But uh, otherwise, yeah, our website, only the number seven seconds dot com. Uh, and you can check out all of our merchandise. A lot of this stuff's on there. Uh, our curriculum are kind of those things that are uh, up there, our new student guides, so we have a curriculum, and we'll share more about that yeah. all later. Yeah, well, but let's get into that right yeah. now, actually.
0: Uh, kind of tell me a little bit about yourself, how you got into this, what is Only 7 Seconds, and why should everyone care about what you do?
1: Yeah, yeah, That well, that's a lot of questions. Uh, let me jump in. I'll start with who I am. Uh, so my background, even before college, uh, I've had a heart for... Uh, serving others is really the best way to put it and uh, that started out with uh, working in youth uh, youth programs uh, all across the U.S. running leadership camps uh, helping serve youth and uh, that transitioned all kind of through college and at the same time kind of running parallel to that was uh, working in business and so I've worked in business uh, I've graduated with a few different degrees in business and I ended up uh, in the corporate world for a number of years, and uh, long story short, ended up uh, telling myself that I wanted to do something that had a little bit more of an impact than just making money for the man. And so uh, despite uh, having a family, I said, I'm gonna take a huge pay cut and uh, go jump into some nonprofit work. I worked at Special Olympics uh, Washington for a little over five years, uh, had an awesome time there. Uh, Really, really love the work that they do and uh, have great, great relationships with people there. Uh, And at the same time as that was going on, my mom started only seven seconds. And uh, it's funny, we were talking before recording this about how I intentionally didn't join the family business. Uh, I'm from North Central Washington. My family, if I had jumped in, I would have been the fifth uh, generation to run family farming and uh, I intentionally said, I'm going to make my own way. Uh, now, in retrospect, 18-year-old me was really prideful uh, because here I have come full circle over a decade later, and I'm now running the organization that my mom started. It's
0: not farming, though. It's not, <laughs> it's not farming, It's not though. farming. I, I yeah. also grew up on a farm. Okay. So, like, organic produce farm. Yeah. Not a lot of apples. We did that for, like, a couple years, and then we're like, this is not for us. <laughs> but, uh, no, so I get that. You know, like, there's yeah. this moment of, like, I'm just done. I don't want anything to do with it. And then yeah. life happens, and then at some point you're like, Man, you know what? Kind of an idiot, and kind of, kind of like that a little bit. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it, you know. It's like yeah. as, as you get older, you're like, oh, I can appreciate some of that.
1: Yep, exactly. It's funny how, like, even I left left the town that I lived in, went and lived in a bigger city, and then after a few years, ended up back where I grew up. Um, because you, you, as at least for me, I've the older I've gotten, the more I've gained appreciation for the generational uh pieces that exist where i live so that's yeah. been pretty awesome really so, cool. that's
0: amazing yeah. though that's a really cool uh story how you got back now yeah. the work that you're doing because you actually got back to what you're doing uh yeah. dive into that a little bit more what is only seven seconds what do you What yeah. do you guys do yep. and then kind of how do you guys kind of scale got bigger and what kind of some what kind of explains yeah. some of the guides and stuff
1: yeah absolutely so The backstory to Only 7 Seconds, how we got started was I have a younger brother who's 11 years younger than I am, and uh, he's much taller, much more handsome, and way more athletic than I am. And uh, when he was in high school, he was a sports superstar, taking his way, uh, his team, to what should have been state basketball um, and in the midst of that, he ended up uh, sick. He ended up in bed for about five weeks. And during those five weeks, uh, context to the story, he my family's house was the house that all of his friends were at. Uh, it was the family house that had the pool and had a part of it the basketball hopping. court. It, it was, was the place it was where the place and he be. was he was the baby of the family too, right? So like there was no one else at home. It was my parents and him, and so it was an empty house a lot of times where he could just have friends over. Um, so it was the place to be. And then he gets sick, and all of a sudden, all of his social circle disappears. Um, he didn't have one friend that sent him a text that stopped by the house, that sent him a message on Instagram uh, for five weeks. Um, and but it
0: flies by quick.
1: It does if you're not if you're in not bed let, by yeah, yourself.
0: If you're not in bed, it's like, oh, it's quick. But for that person who's in bed, like that's yeah. Five forever. weeks
1: is a long time. Yeah. And it wasn't. He wasn't contagious, right? Like it yeah. wasn't that kind of a thing. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. um, so anyone could have been there and played video games with him and all that kind of stuff. And um, it wasn't that kids didn't care. It was that kids forgot. Yeah. And it was it was that kids thought someone else is taking that responsibility. Someone else is the one reaching out. I don't need to do that because someone else probably is um, instead of taking it on themselves. And so in the midst of that, uh, his, his social isolation led to loneliness. Loneliness led to a lot of mental health things and uh it was a pretty quick spiral across those five weeks and in that my mom said how long does it take for someone to pick up their stupid phone and (laughs) text someone and say hey i care about you or you matter to me or dial the phone number hit send and she went out into the kitchen at the time i wasn't at home at this time this is all uh, things that i've heard later on and she texted out you matter to me to one of her friends and hit send and it took her roughly seven seconds and so that's where it started from uh since then over the course of the last four years we She started kind of an awareness campaign, slowly grew throughout COVID, um, and then just one thing after another, the whole conversation around social isolation and loneliness has really grown, Uh, the conversation just out in the world. everything from COVID to the US Surgeon General putting out an advisory about loneliness back in May of this year. Um, And so I jumped in uh, part of the way through that timeline and my background being in business. She goes, can you help me out with this? And I was like, you mean like setting up a business plan and mission vision values? And she goes, I don't know what those things are, but (laughs) sounds good. (laughs) Um, Because her expertise, she is a dreamer. She's a visionary. She's the opposite of who I am. I'm all about structure and building a plan. And, um, And so we balanced each other really well early on and so yeah and then since then we've really grown an awareness campaign uh that's what we've been Uh, we have done a lot of awareness activities a lot of speaking in public all of these hope notes the wristbands that we have um the opportunity to get out into the world and talk about connection it's our podcast it's our social media but really with the intention of inspiring people to connect in a meaningful intentional way Uh, That's what it really comes down to is uh, having meaningful, intentional connection is the antidote to loneliness. And so that's what we've been working towards. And then in the midst of that, we've been developing what we call a curriculum. It's a really academic term for it. Um, but it, those are the student guides and a lot of our focus moving forward is going to be targeted at youth. And it, we, awareness campaigns are really broad, but they're not very deep. Uh, they're broad and shallow and to really transform the way that, uh, to transform lives, which is what we, what I care about is what we care about. Yeah. Um, that's where truly changing the way that we interact with each other happens, uh, it needs to happen at a deeper and narrower level. And so that's where this curriculum comes in, um, where, it can be used in classrooms, any sort of youth setting. If you're in mentorship programs or you're in after hours programs or you are in a classroom or you're in a youth group, um, it's something that can be added on to at the end of a sports team uh, practice where it's very, very simple 15, 20, 30 minutes of an activity that you do that brings connection with kids in their circles.
0: Very cool. It's, yeah. it's a huge, huge thing, right? I mean, we, we think about how like connected we we are now. Versus how, we, you know, like, only seven seconds in a text, but it used to be a lot longer to, like, write a letter, right? put it in the mail, mail it, hope you put enough stamps on it. And, <laughs> and like, it's yeah. still a thing. I was over at my, my grandma's house, and she's like, I don't know if it has enough stamps on it. And I was like, I forgot about stamps. Like, that's a thing still, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, it's it's truly, like, yeah. it's a thing that, like, now we only take seven seconds. But, right. but I think that we're more isolated. Than yep, ever we are and it's like how yep. did that happen we have yep. so much connection ability and it's just nothing
1: yep there there's so many studies that have come out about exactly that that we and that was one of the phrases that my mom used early on in talking about this is we live in a world that we're more connected than ever we have the ability to call someone text someone facetime zoom whatever you want to call it halfway across the world and yet we by every measurable statistic and study and research has been done we have generations that are lonelier than they've ever been. And it's only getting worse. Like it's not getting better. And that was before COVID. The statistics around this were way before COVID. I mean, it was the statistics are uh, eight out of 10 Americans feel lonely on a regular basis. And that was before COVID hit. 80%. Like that's like they feel, that means they feel lonely at least once a week. That's eight out of 10 people that you see in a grocery store, eight out of 10 people that walk down the street next to you, that you see in the car next to you, that come into your business, eight out of 10 of them feel lonely at least once a week. Um, That doesn't mean it's chronic loneliness, right? It doesn't mean that they're experiencing it all the time, but still like to even feel lonely at least once a week, like that's pretty regular loneliness at that point. Um, Chronic loneliness is 30 to 40%, which chronic loneliness means people that feel lonely all the time. They feel lonely all the time. They have no places of connection or belonging. Um, and like that was all pre-COVID and post-COVID, like the statistics and things that have been coming out, it's only worse. So it's uh, there's a lot of factors to that, too.
0: We had talked earlier about some of like the statistics of just like a lot of the issues with kids in school and kind of the like everything ties back to loneliness. Can you talk about that for a second again? Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, one of the things I don't know if you want me to share the analogy that I did, but (laughs) but there there we talk a lot and we just meaning society, right? We talk a lot about wanting to be preventative, right? Especially around the conversation of suicide, especially around the conversation of mental health. We want to we talk about prevention, but oftentimes we say that at the same time as What we actually do is being, oh, you have a mental health thing that you're dealing with. Oh, you're experiencing suicidal ideation. Now let's deal with it. And so we talk about prevention and we maybe do a program like schools will throw a program once a year where they have an assembly or there's a suicide that happens and then they throw an assembly or then they do something. And then they're like, well, we're preventing the next one. And I'm not disparaging those things that happen. They have a place. They're important um but if we want to talk about true prevention and not just suicide prevention we talk about prevention to mental health disorders, mental health problems that people experience, even physical health things that we experience, if we want to talk about true prevention, we have to go further upstream to the source of what's causing those things. And that starts with loneliness. It starts with connection. Social connection is just as important as food and water in people's lives. And when I first heard that, I said, that's ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. That's not true. (laughs) And the more that I've studied it over the last couple of years, it's 100% true. And that goes back to the dawn of civilization, the dawn of of mankind, kind we've always needed connection that's throughout every part of historical like even whatever faith religion wherever you are like you see that human connection matters in those stories in any sort of history like The reason that we survived as a species, if you want to go back to caveman times, right, is that it was communities. It was people that worked together for a common good, right? They had to have human connection. If they were by themselves, they didn't survive, period. And I think that's just as true today, where if you have food and water, you can have all the money in the world. We see it with celebrities and people of fame and have all sorts of money. And yet, if they're socially isolated, they are, or they're lonely, they are are just as likely to pass away and die at an earlier age. They're more likely to suicide. People who are lonely feel, and I'm going to rattle stuff off, people, yeah, people who are lonely are uh, less receptive to cancer treatments. People who are lonely are higher risk of dementia. People who are lonely have a risk factor of, uh, I'm going to botch this, you, have, uh, you are 15 years of living That's the impact of severe loneliness causes your life expectancy to decrease by 15 years. That's a ton. You the number one predictive factor of mass shootings and school shootings, the number one predictive factor is loneliness and social isolation. Like, it's not just a mental health conversation. It's a conversation of well-being, period. Um, Things like obesity, eating disorders, chronic diseases, chronic illnesses, mental health disorders, you name it. Loneliness and social isolation are oftentimes what cause those things, not the other way around.
0: Yeah, so you're like just at the top of the stream trying to make sure that <laughs> everything, you know, as it trickles down, right, uh, you're not letting that kind of pr- progress. We talk about like sustainable change Yeah. at, at Link Northwest and how can we do that? Because it's a very similar, not in terms of loneliness, but we have people that come to us and it's like, Are, we're getting evicted tomorrow. Yeah. What can you do? And it's like n- nothing really. I mean, we can try to do some stuff and we have some programs and, yeah. you know, connections and stuff that we can do and we'll do everything we possibly can for you. But at the end of the right. day, like if you come to us like, five months earlier and we're like hey i'm struggling to pay my bills and i haven't paid my mortgage in a month now and it's looking like i can't pay it next month how do we help you then right and it's like we could help you then and there's a lot of things we can do and help you budget and whatever it might mm-hmm. look like but we can help you then but it's what happens so often it's like well i'm homeless what what, what happens and it's like man i wish you had told us months yeah. ago about this so we yeah. could have helped and so a lot of what we do also in very similar nature is like how do we reach these people before it ends up and, you know, they realize it. And I think that you can think about loneliness a little bit this way. is like no one intends to become depressed or isolated, right? It's this thing where it's like, you know, I feel a little lonely. It's not a big deal, right? right? And it's like, ah, it's not a big deal. And it's like, well, I feel lonely a lot. But it's just a season of life. And, you know, know, I'll get through it by the end of summer. We'll go back to school or whatever, you know. But all of a sudden, you you end up in a place where you're in absolute isolation, yep. and you didn't even know you were there yeah. until all of a sudden you woke up one day. And you're like, "Whoa! Yeah, I need help. I need friends. I need something." And yep. and that's so hard to call out of. Yep. When if you can just catch it before and realize in this moment, like I'm feeling a little bit lonely, maybe I need to go out and hang with some friends again. Mm-hmm. And and that that's so much easier to do that, but it, you just don't realize.
1: Yeah. Yep, exactly, and it's something where you have to be engaged and intentional because otherwise, it just—it's not going to come to you most oftentimes. It's something where you have to be the one to engage and be intentional about building community, building relationship with someone or multiple people. Um, it's so important that you—you you don't let that pass you by. Um, but it's also you have to be—you um, have to think like the reason we're starting with youth is because it's something that you have to, it's a skill set that you have to develop yeah. right like it's something that you have to actually build and it doesn't just come naturally a lot of times it's something that you have to do over time and it's something that any of us can also get better at is how to have vulnerability how to have empathy how to have conversations with people that are different than you how to have relationship with someone that may disagree with you and there's nothing in the world right now that's helping that dialogue either right everything you see in social media everything Everything you see in marketing, everything you see is polarizing and pushing people further apart rather than bringing people together on some common ground of like, you're a human. I'm a human. We both experience suffering. We both experience hard things. We both deal with stress. We both deal with these types of things. We both have kids and we both are dealing with the struggles of parenting, right? Like those are common grounds that we can have conversation about and have meaningful relationship. Even if you and I disagree politically, economic, whatever the things are. Those are the things, and so that's those are the skill sets, like, for our curriculum, why we want to especially equip youth so that they can be better equipped. Because for my own personal story, right, I'll riff for just a second on my own personal story, I I experienced some real hardship in my mid-20s, right? It's, like, some real difficult things, and I didn't have community during that time. I did not have, relate like, I... I say that and I'm not trying to disparage the few people that I had community with, but like we lived pretty isolated. Um, And it wasn't intentional. I traveled for work. I had a busy schedule. We just had our first baby. Like there was a lot of things that factored into that and you have to pick and choose what you prioritize. But in the midst of that, we had loss, we had suffering, we had pain and it was, it made it so difficult. And I, I, Saw a therapist uh, just a few months ago, actually, uh, about a year ago now. Um, I get see these are things. I'm not naturally a vulnerable person, right? Like I'm not a vulnerable person. But being in this space in two years, I've become a better person because I've become I've learned to be vulnerable. Yeah. Now I hear it, I'm on a podcast, Um and the only reason I'm willing to share it now is because I've shared it on my own podcast. Yeah. But I had a couple of a pan- couple of panic attacks, right? And so I talked to a, a counselor. Uh, she said you have what's called frozen grief and so it was something where like the things that I experienced in my mid-20s that I didn't have anyone to turn to to talk to and a uh, wonderful wife I mean good relationship yeah, 100%. I didn't have anyone else as like a that I just turned to as a support system during that time didn't really have community um, and I just said I'll buck up I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps the things that I heard my grandpa who I loved to death and was my second father but that I heard growing up and it was, I'll just pull myself up by my bootstraps and just, you know, if if you scrape your knee, you walk it off, right? And for me, that was that. And so I spent years after that without grieving, without, without letting myself be in that place. And then fast forward to just recently, and I've gone through some really difficult things again. And now I have two years of being in this space. I have two years of now I preach about this stuff and now I have to live it myself, right? Um, And I'm not perfect about it. Like all the time, I don't reach out intentionally. I don't have, but it's it's a progress you got to work towards, right? But this time I did have community and there's a lot of reasons for that, right? And I grieved hard this time and I'm still grieving some of it. But... At the same time, I had so many dudes that had my back this time. and so many people that reached out and said, hey, if you need something, I'm here for you. You want a shoulder cry on? I got you. And that like, community, and that took a couple of years to build that. It was people over at our house and having relationships and playing games and all the different things. But it led to when we went through difficult times, I had a support system, right? I had community where we'd had the relationships that then existed. And now like my grieving process is so much stronger because of that, I'm a healthier person because of that. Um, So that to me, like, that I'm a walking example of the like I've seen just recently the difference of like when you live isolated, when you're in a place of loneliness, when you're in a place of not having belonging and community, and you go through something difficult, and then you're you do go through something and you do have that, like the difference of that is so stark. Um, so I don't even know where that started. No, That's all riff, right. That's really, really but...
0: good. I love that topic. <laughs> I think it's really cool and key and and I think that like I think there's an era of like macho man right, right. And, oh, yeah. and and there's and, and there's nothing wrong with a lot of the things that come from that era sure. and being strong and whatever but th- if like just touch really quickly on that idea of like the vulnerability and yes. like for the men that might listen or watch this like <laughs> like it's okay to be vulnerable and to cry yeah. and to process and I think that so much of the loneliness and I've actually kind of gone through some of this recently myself of like understanding how do I grieve for the past version of myself that didn't get to grieve and -hmm. didn't get to process that. And then, then like, how does that affect me now? I'm like, I'm like, I didn't realize that all these things were just building up. And then all of a sudden now I've got this chance to actually talk to someone and process through these things and be like, that wasn't okay. And that was painful and it was hurtful. And I didn't need to just be not emotional and just push on through. That wasn't what was healthy. And then, so now I'm going back through it and, and it's like, Now I get to try to do the same thing you're talking about. Like, how do I now grieve in real time with people so I don't have to go back and do that? And, like, we're both young in comparative to a lot of people, you know, obviously. And, and and like, there's people in their 50s who have never gone back and grieved and have carried that with them Mm -hmm. their entire time. And so, like, how do we get students connected into this curriculum of, like, how do we help you, like, express your emotions in a healthy manner so that you don't end up... 50-year-olds absolutely broken and lonely because you just kept everything bent up the whole entire time.
1: Yeah, oh man, I don't even know where to go with that. There's so many pieces to that, right? I mean, from it, it's funny because like the macho man, absolutely, right? Like for me, I I love hunting. I yeah. grew up in small town USA, like very. I mean, I listen to country music. Let's like I'm, I'm not a I'm not a naturally emotional <laughs> yeah. guy anyway. Yeah. Like my until just recently, my kids are like, Dad doesn't cry, right? Like Dad's that you don't get to see Dad cry. Didn't I didn't barely saw my dad cry till. I was a teenager, right? Like, it's that sort of a thing where it's very, like, you, there's an expectation culturally, I think, within, especially within the U.S., for us to look like we have it together. We have to have it together. Yeah, that's right? the
0: nice, like, selfie on Instagram. Yeah. yeah perfect.
1: And, and that's true. Right. And that's true. Regardless of gender, regardless of anything, that's just across the board. Like there's an expectation that we have it together. And the reality is what you see on social media, the things that you see put out of the world, things that you see on camera right now, the way you show up in the world isn't how people are doing in here most of the time. Um, and that's where, especially like teenagers and kids that are most heavily influenced by things like social media, like even as adults for me, right? Like for me, just I'll use myself as an example. I go through social media and I don't use social media much anymore because I've seen the impact on my own, like who I am as a person where like, if I make a post and it doesn't get a certain amount of likes and I'm a competitive person, <laughs> yeah. but like it doesn't get a certain amount yeah. of likes, and like that, ha- that means that my value is less. Right, um, and that sounds so dumb to say out loud, but that is like what yeah, you think or feel. Yeah. Um, and then that's so true for like when you're scrolling through social media, you're like, oh man, John went to you know Costa Rica, and this person got to do that, and here they are in their backyard at their pool, and da da da. And here I am doing dishes and laundry, right? Like, and that's true, of, like all of us, right? Like, I listened to a podcast just the other day with Mark Cuban, right? And Mark Cuban, one of the richest men yep. in the world, right? Like, eh, and Mark Cuban's talking about how he does his own laundry. Right. And that's my point in that is like we all are humans that and like certainly rich people. Not everyone does their own laundry, but for him, he does. Yeah. And like we even the richest people in the world still have mundane human things they got to do. Even the richest people in the world still got to get up and shower and still got to go through like nobody's immune to difficult things. Right. Like now I I get to talk a lot at uh, school assemblies and stuff. And one of my favorite things to talk about is how every single person in the room no matter their age unless maybe some of the really young kids have experienced grief trauma and sadness yeah. period like there and if you haven't i hate to break it to you but it's coming <laughs> it's, right like it, like yo, i'm not trying to be a Debbie downer or not trying, yo, but like that's that is it. true yeah. and if that's true then that's something that binds us all together yeah. and that's that means that if it you just look like you have it put together all the time that's a lie period. And so I'm not saying that we don't, like, there aren't places where you got to put on a face, yeah, right? Like, there's I a, got, time and a place. Like even if I was struggling today, I got to show up, be yep. here at the podcast, have yep. a good conversation and, ha- you know, but at the same time, it's so important to show up as yourself and at least have the spaces for back to like the main premise of this. We, we have to have the spaces for meaningful connection with people who we can be authentic with and vulnerable with even if it's one person it doesn't have to be 50 people i'd rather have two quarters than 50 pennies when it comes to relationships but to have at least a couple of those that you can lean on during difficult times because if they haven't happened they're coming and if they have come and you haven't processed them well it's important to have someone right so
0: very cool well that's a fantastic conversation i think that you and i could talk about this <laughs> all could. day, yes. Uh, and you have places that you need to be, and so I, I want to respect your time. Uh, you came across the mountain to do this and hang out with people, yeah. And so, uh, is, no, this is awesome. So, bro. you know, I, I want to respect your time. Uh, and so, this the podcast theme a lot is kind of like talk about organizations, and the idea is that that not everyone connects with what we're doing at Link Northwest. Sure. Like, you'd be like, that's cool, but, like, and it's really awesome you do that, but, like, that doesn't move the needle for me, so I'm not going to invest my time or money into the Link Northwest. And that's completely okay. But there's other nonprofits and other really cool organizations that are doing really cool things that you're like, oh, I love that, and yeah. I would love to get involved with that. And so kind of the idea of spotlighting nonprofits is how do we make sure that if you're watching this and you might hear about a nonprofit you never heard about, like, only seven seconds, and all of a sudden you hear it and you're like, that's it. I I love that. How do I get involved? And so um you can kind of talk about that from that perspective. And so I love this conversation because I think that everyone fits into this. And yep. I know that someone watching this is gonna like be like, oh, that is like fantastic. Yeah. Uh and so I wanna move a little bit away from the actual only seven seconds. You can talk sure. about it as well, but kinda yeah. talk about uh, like nonprofit uh, work and some of the stuff that you've been doing, and like yeah. kind of how it's impacted your life, uh, yeah. and and kind of kind of from a perspective of like if someone's watching this and they they're not involved in a nonprofit and they're not really serving much or anything of that nature. Like yep. how does it affect your life? And kind of like, why would you be like, you need to do something?
1: <laughs> oh, man. The it's funny because I'm going to tie it right back to only seven seconds. Um, <laughs> and it, it it's the first thing I'll say about just nonprofit work in general and especially volunteerism and nonprofit work. Is it's one of the best places to find community? Yeah, come on, right? Like yeah. that, like and community is so central to what we talk about and everything we just talked about for the last however many minutes. Having community is so important in the conversation that we just had, and so as far as nonprofit work goes, it's the best place to find community. Most oftentimes, it's the places where when you even when you are the person feeling lonely, the U.S. Surgeon General said the number one thing that you can do if you are feeling lonely is volunteer. Right like Easy. that was his first recommendation yeah. on everything I've ever listened to him on. First thing you can do is volunteer because it's a place where you immediately join in and have somewhere that need a. they need you. Yeah. Like they need your <laughs> they need, need you. you. They need your body in the room to help support with yeah. some some sort of action and you can find belonging there. It's where you, people are 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 there seeking connection and relationship in those places of volunteerism most often. And so, like, and when you work together with someone, right? Like when you're working together towards a common good, you immediately feel a sense of being in a tribe. You immediately feel a sense of belonging. And so that's, that's my first thing. Yeah. Like totally. that's, that's, that's the easy answer. Um, as far as you asked about like my, my work with nonprofit work or.
0: Yeah. I mean, just kind of curious yeah. about like, if someone's, so you talk about, no, someone's not serving right. And like, and kind of yeah. your experience in it. Um, I'm just curious, like, like, in your nonprofit work, obviously like, is the community like the thing that's been like the biggest impact in terms of what you've done? Or is it, there's other, other things around you that we'd say like have a bigger impact on your life?
1: Yeah. Oh man. That's a good question. Uh, I've, I've worked in the nonprofit space one way or another since I think I was 13 years old, probably. Uh, I remember being involved with a couple of church plants. I mean, at a fairly young teenager age, uh, as a late high school or early college kid, I traveled the U S uh, with Leadership camps for youth, um, and I—that's I, some of my favorite memories. So it's been a part of that. your life
0: for a very it's long time. It's been a
1: part of my working and serving in nonprofit work. Has been a part of my life since awesome. I can basically remember. How do
0: you think that shaped you? <sighs> sorry, I'm just coming like all these hard yeah, questions. Yeah, say, man, <laughs> these are deep questions. I didn't prepare for. I'm sorry. I
1: think, no, I think I mean as far as how it shaped me, it's uh, it really is the like grounding force for who I am of servanthood. Right. Like the idea that the things that I do both in work and um, in my private personal life, and those are pretty. Those are pretty much the same, anyway. But like, just all across the board, it it really is. And I'm not perfect at it by any means, but it's at least with the intention that I serve and that I serve well, um, because I've se- I've had that impact on me personally, where other people have served me well. I've seen the impact of nonprofit work and volunteerism on my own personal life, personally. Um, I mean, I I'm from North Central Washington. I wasn't living there at the time, but my whole family small little town the biggest wildfire in washington state history ripped through that town right um and so i even just the volunteerism of an event like that and coming back and helping go through rubble and the destruction that happened at an event like that too i mean just the when people are there to pick up the pieces um that's what it all comes down to, I think, for most nonprofit work, right, is trying to help support someone or something through difficult things or making and empowering people to help them with something that's going on in life or like it's it's with the intention of servanthood. Right. And I think to me, just what that that would that's what it all comes back to. That's
0: awesome. Uh, well, we got to wrap up here pretty quick, but, uh, I do want to ask you kind of, I asked you about this earlier, like, I don't know what to talk about because there's so many amazing things, but, (laughs) um, you know, talk about kind of what's something, one thing, two things, three things maybe that like have been an absolute highlight of this year of, of, of the work that you've been doing.
1: Yeah. Uh, the first one I'll share is, um. We, we produce a podcast as well. It only very seven cool. seconds. Plug it. Plug it. Um, so yeah. uh, where you ca- find it, Spotify, everywhere, Apple's anywhere. Awesome. Uh, if you type in "I know lonely," uh, it's called okay. I, "I know Lonely Podcast." Or if you only seven seconds, either yeah. one will pop up. Uh, and the very first podcast we produced, uh, it we a lot of the sto- A lot of it is story based. Um, okay. So we have people on them. They share part of their life story. Yeah, very cool. And uh, the very first one we produced was uh, a young woman uh, who experienced bipolar disorder in high school and. We uh, we produced it first week of September, a couple weeks later. So, exactly a year ago. A couple weeks later, I get an email and can't share her name, but I get an email from a woman and she goes, Hey, I'd love to meet you. I listened to the podcast and it changed my life. And I was like, we produced a podcast like you're come like, on i like, like yeah i was like okay and uh and sure enough i got to meet her over coffee uh, i've gotten to know her quite a bit over the last year um but she's middle-aged mom with multiple kids um she has a family history of bipolar disorder she refused to believe it and uh she attempted to take her life multiple times as a middle-aged mom um literally shouldn't have been alive um within the next month she said she would have attempted again and listening to someone else's story and not feeling alone in what she was experiencing allowed her to accept that she might have bipolar disorder and then she got to talk to her husband about it and her husband listened to the story in the podcast and then the two of them got to talk and then she took it to her counselor and therapist and her therapist said i've been trying for years to convince you of this but now you've come to a place of accepting it Then she got to have that conversation with her own kids and her kids listen to the podcast and then have a family conversation about it. Her dad then listened to it and her dad came back crying and got to have a whole family conversation about the family history of some of it. And it was this whole experience where she she very much said, I would not be alive today because I probably I would have attempted again. And now I'm on the medication that's actually helping me. Right. Like now I'm on this trajectory of actually being able to be present in life and not deal with the demons I have been as much. Um, and so, and now I get to have connection with my own kids and have an open conversation with some of my friends about what I'm dealing with. And like that to me is like just, it's one of that's one of those stories that if I never do anything else, yeah. it's like, a, I mean, that that's, is, that's the like, I mean, that is incredible. Isn't that amazing? That is
0: amazing. Yeah. And one of the things that like, and you know this, when you put out content, <laughs> It's like, you're like, I don't think anyone's going to watch this or right. like, it, like no one's going to care about any of this, you know? Yeah. And it's like, and sometimes it feels like a lot of work, but to like, yeah. to, to know that like just one person right. could have listened to it and she could be the only person that listened to that podcast and like, and it's all life matter. changing for you, yeah. but it's also life changing for her. And it's like, it's in this insane moment from just like a little bit of time that, yeah. that but the cool thing about that story is, is, is the vulnerability of that person. Right. That came on the podcast. Yeah, like the 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 ability to come on and say I'm gonna like bear my my my, my all my skeletons in mm-hmm. front of the entire world to see yeah. if they want to, and, yes. and having the strength to do that. And I think there yeah. is so much power mm-hmm. in sharing your stories and being yeah. vulnerable in that way. Like yeah. like you could and talking about all the things that you've gone through mm-hmm. because until you do, like other people aren't gonna be able to see some things in themselves. Yep. But then when they hear you say it, they're like. I think I'm that way.
1: Exactly. I think I've,
0: I've, yep. I've, I've felt that. Yeah. Yep. I, and and then they did these things and now they're healthy. Yep. I, I need to figure that out.
1: Yep. And that's the the uh, the stories that we do, uh, the stories monthly. So the first of every month we produce a story all with different topics, right? Like that one happened to be bipolar disorder. And then we've had all sorts of other types of stories. And it's with those two intentions. The first one is when you hear stories that are like yours, you feel a little bit less alone in what you're experiencing when you know that someone else has gone through the same challenges or someone else is experiencing the same thing you feel like your story isn't the only one that's dealing with that and especially for kids that's important but even as adults because we can feel like our story is the only one that has this type of grief or we've experienced this difficult situation and so it's with that and then if the story isn't like yours it's for empathy for people who are right like and as the person who gets to sit down and ask the questions the amount of like, and by no means am I saying I've got it all figured out and I don't want that to be what anyone hears. But I've, I've learned to develop so much empathy for other stories where like, I didn't really know what bipolar disorder was. I was like, oh, well that's where like you have multiple personalities. No, it's not that at all, right? And like, just, I learned more like my understanding of what other people experience has totally changed. And so talking to people with different walks of life or hearing those stories and the different challenges they go through, okay, now the next time I talk to someone that has bipolar disorder, I now know how to to have a better conversation with them right and that's the like having empathy for what someone else goes through so yeah yeah that's that to me is still the most powerful story like that's the one that still just gives me chills i
0: don't know how you talk that i don't think you do i don't think it's not like you're trying to but like that is absolutely incredible well thank you so much for taking the time to jump on the podcast share your story be vulnerable a little bit and talk about what you're doing um really quick before we end though uh Obviously, where can they find you? Website, social media handles, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Look up Only 7 Seconds.
1: Use the number 7. Only7seconds.com. We're on just about every social media platform out there. And uh, yeah, check out our curriculum. If you work, uh, the two things that I've been telling people is if you work with youth, if you're engaged with youth, if you, whether that's simply as a parent, if parenthood is not simply, that's not what I meant to say, it's not simple. Uh, But if it's parent, if you're a parent, especially if you work in schools or youth programs, um, or if you're interested in helping us grow this in any way, if you're any part of that, we wanna hear from you. Um, So you can email us at info at only7seconds.com or get on our website and submit a a request on there or whatever it's called. But, yeah. So Amazing.
0: Well, definitely go check out what they're doing. Stay in touch. Go follow them on all their social media platforms, everything, because it's really, really amazing, cool work that you guys are doing. And I'm excited to see how Link and Only7Seconds are going to continue to partner and do really cool things together, because I think there's a lot of potential in the future there. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, if you're watching this, just... uh, make sure you drop a like, follow all the things uh, to make sure that people hear this. This is an important message. And so make sure that if you have uh, posted on your social media, so make sure that anyone who follows you also sees this as well. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so very much for watching today's episode. I hope you enjoyed what you watched. If you did, I would ask that you could give a like, subscribe, follow to make sure you don't miss any further episodes as we're going to be dropping an episode every other week. So keep your eyes out for that. Until then, see you next time.